This is an AMI podcast. Hey guys, welcome along to another episode of Double Tap for Tuesday, the 17th of January, 2023. It's a big day because we have breaking, breaking news. news. Breaking news. Yes, new Apple products are here. Woo! You're listening to Double Tap, your daily accessible technology show. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest. You know, it's a big deal, Sean, when I uh, play the breaking news ident in the middle of the introduction. It was amazing, Stephen Scott. Well, he's just like that fat boy Slim. It's amazing. You <laughs> should be a mixing. DJ. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you know, I could. I, my mum always said she wanted me to have letters after my name. So, mm. yes. Actually, being a DJ would have been quite cool in that sense. Stephen Scott, DJ. DJ. I put a lot of letters after your name, usually into uh, swear words, but it's fine. Anyway, how are you? Fine. Uh, okay. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, lots to talk about today. Yes, lots breaking of news. breaking news. Yeah, it's breaking news me. today. It's breaking news because we have new Apple products being announced today. Are you excited? Um, can can I be honest with you? Oh, Mr. Scott, um, I don't care. I can care less. I, I couldn't I, care I, less. I, I'd rather eat my own face. Well, not quite, not quite, but um, it, it's just no, it's not for me. I've told no, you what they are, yeah. I know what they it could are. Could be Apple because, Glass for all you know. No, no, no. We've been waiting for this <laughs> announcement since the rumours yesterday. We've been poised and waiting, and now it's dropped. I've I've been poised today. I have to say, mm. I, I, I'm feeling poised. Actually, I'm, I, I think I've been sitting too long. I've got. Sore on my leg for being poised this long. Well, that's gross. It's Thank actually you. quite sore. That's annoying me. Uh, anyway, yes. Yeah, so the products, <laughs> two products, uh, have come out. And actually, this was kind of alluded to last night. There was a lot of tweets going around saying reviewers were being shipped out two products, and uh, everyone was like, well, "What will it be? What will it be? Well, what is it going to be?" Because look, this was a press release announcement. This was not an Apple event. So what Apple have done here. It's just literally dumped these products onto their website and said, go and buy them. And that usually tells you it's an update. It's not something that is particularly, I mean, it's not new products. They are new in inverted commas, but they're not new products. They are products that are already out, but they've just been updated. Upgraded. Yeah. And um, two products, new MacBook Pros and a new Mac Mini. New New. That's how I speak, Priest. <laughs> no, I really like it. Well done. Thank you. Um, I like how you speak as well. Thank you. Oh, we like each other. No, I was hey, lying. You, <laughs> shut up. You are excited <laughs> by these, aren't you? Okay. Well, look, I'm. I'm going to be totally upfront. I could not care less about the Mar- the MacBook Pro. Um, and I'll I'll explain <gasps> why. We'll get into this and explain Please why. Do. But, but and we'll we will tell you a little bit about the MacBook Pro because I know people will be interested in this. And of course, we are here to bring you the news. Well, I press the button. No, 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 Okay, I'm not going to do it now. Stop it. Okay, I won't, I promise. Breaking news. Breaking news. <laughs> Stephen Scott promise. <laughs> I nearly dropped always. my coffee then. <laughs> Stephen Scott promise is always to be ignored. So, um, yes, what they've done here is they've announced the new uh, MacBook Pro, which has got the new M2 processor in it. Now, we saw the M2 processor being announced last year. The first product that came out, first two products, actually, were the M2 MacBook Air. And also the M2 MacBook Pro, which was the old 13-inch version uh, with the touch bar. And that was the other, yeah, and that was the other kind of one, which I must admit put me off a little bit. It was an old design, and a lot of people weren't particularly excited when they came out with it. Everyone was waiting for the 14-inch and the 16-inch MacBook Pros to be updated. I know somebody who's going to be very excited about this. Mark Afalalalo is going to be jumping up and down because he has been on this show so many times talking about, I don't have a, a decent computer and I want to buy a new computer and I've only got a Mac Pro. Oh, no. It's yeah, got 128 gig. And, five seconds. Yeah, yeah and the computer oh, rubbish. On. So, yeah, now he can go and he <laughs> can take you, back all these computers <laughs> that he's bought from Costco and he can return them and buy something that he wants, which is, I guess, this. So it's coming with M2 Pro or M2 Max. Um, we could talk a little bit about that in a second. Uh, MacBook Pro takes its power and efficiency further than ever, says the Apple website. It delivers exceptional performance, whether it's plugged in or not. You know something? It's funny, right? You read this marketing on a website and you think to yourself, yeah, 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 whatever. I will say, 
you cannot deny the battery power inside those machines. It just never dies. Mm, never well, not dies. According to Mark, I mean, I don't know no, what that he was the, does. That was the old Intel one. He had the oh, Intel. Was it? Oh, okay. That's, that's yes. what I had. Remember the one yeah, I had? Yeah. When yeah, I bought yeah, the yeah. one I bought in Canada. In Canada. For two it. weeks before the 16 inch one came out. <laughs> I was could a, not believe that. That was a mistake. It was just ridiculous. Um, <sighs> but yeah, it does have fantastic battery power in it, which is great. It says even longer battery life now, whatever that means. Um, combined with a stunning liquid Retina XDR display, not OLED yet. Uh, and all mm. the ports you need, it says this is a pro laptop without equal. And that's the point, right? You get the ports on this as well. And in terms of configuration, I'm not going to go through all the, the prices and everything, because I'll be honest, I think a lot of people are not going to be Starting this. price. Well, it's <laughs> we'll get to that in a second. But in terms yeah. of the specs, up to 32 gig unified memory, up to 19 core GPU for graphics, um, 200 gigabit per second memory bandwidth. Mm-hmm which is interesting. You can play up to 23 streams of 4K ProRes video playback. They always point that out, yes. And it is possible to do that. I mean, how many people are doing it? I suppose if you're on Final Cut editing a video, that would be useful to you, and it will play it back smoothly. And also support for up to two external displays. Now, I think that is new, because previously, and this has been one of the limitations with the M1 and the latest or the, the i guess the most recent uh, m2 processor was that you could only plug in one monitor externally you couldn't get two monitors or maybe you, is it two monitors but you couldn't use the macbook screen i think maybe that was there it. was limitations with the bandwidth the yeah. internal bus bandwidth with the uh, m1 yes but didn't the the m2 sort all that out didn't they well to some degree it is getting better but it does seem that there's a bit of a bottleneck when it comes mm. to the ability to add multiple monitors now again This is for someone, and I think this is important to say, this is for someone who is a a pro. And when I say pro, I mean someone who's paid Mm -hmm. for the work they're creating on the device. Mm -hmm. Okay? It used to be the case where if you were buying a MacBook, if if someone came to me, and we used to get this question all the time, okay, if if I was buying a MacBook or buying anything from Apple today, what would I buy? And my recommendation used to be, okay, well, think about what you're going to do with it, okay? So if you're someone who's going to be online, who's going to be, you know, doing some documents online, maybe using it to browse the web, maybe using it for reports, maybe, you know, dabbling in a bit of audio production, then, you know, Mac Mini, MacBook Air will do you fine. Then the MacBook Pro comes along, and it's gotten to the point with the M2 processors, even with the MacBook Airs, that the power inside these devices has become so great that, you know, when you would when you would have that cutoff point by saying, well, no, if you're getting into video, move to Pro. I don't think that's the case anymore. What I say is now, if you are someone who is being paid to do a job and you need to turn content around quickly because it's your job, i.e., you know, video, audio content, whatever it might be, then Pro is for you. If you're someone who's, you know, making a podcast every week or maybe doing a podcast on a, every couple of days, maybe you make the odd YouTube video. The, the MacBook Air, the Mac Mini, they are more than powerful enough now to do that job. So in some ways, although you do have all this capability, what you do have is the ability to not spend as much money. You don't have to go and buy this thing. No. And I don't think most people who are listening to this are going to be going out to buy a MacBook Pro. I could be wrong, but I know a lot of people tend to do that FOMO thing. I know I did. You have that thing where you think, oh, you know, I better buy the Pro because you know, then I've got the power. Well, yeah, sometimes it feels like I'm spending this much, so another couple of hundred, and you yeah. keep going up and up and up and up and up, yeah. But you don't need it. That's the thing. No. You don't actually need it. So, you know, I, I think that as much as I like what they're doing here, I'm not entirely convinced. That what are the clues in the name? But, but, no, but, no, but that's my point. It used to be, it was always in the name. Pro was always in the name, and people would say, well, Pro is for the people who make videos, who, you know, do all the, the fancy stuff. But actually, that's not the case anymore. I think it's... The division is well, now between paid and unpaid. If they you're doing it as a blurred, hobby, you don't I need admit. to buy a pro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, you know, the, the, the expansion possibilities on the pro versions are more. More I.O. That makes a difference, right? Yeah, that's true. That is true, actually. Oh, okay, I'll give you that. All right, Thank fine. You. Thank I'll, you. I'll, I can't I'll, think of another reason. I'm racking my brain. But, uh, <laughs> no, it's because, sort of, <laughs> victims of their own success, right? The Apple Silicon is so good. That you know, even the base Mac Mini M1 is wow, that's so powerful. So you, you are absolutely right. So starting price, okay. If you were looking, let's start with the MacBook Pros, right? So the 14-inch MacBook Pro, uh, 
Um, your baseline, which is coming with a 16 gig RAM, which has got a 10 core CPU, 16 core GPU. I don't really understand what all that means. It just sounds good. Big numbers. I like big numbers. I like bigger numbers. <laughs> so we'll get to bigger numbers in a minute. But, you know, 10 core CPU, 16 core GPU, that's the processor and the graphics. 16 gig memory, which, again, the memory on a MacBook, I don't think matters as much as it used to. But okay, you've got 16 there and 512 gigs solid state. Base level 14 inches starting at $2,599 Canadian. Wow. All right, so that's a lot of money. Okay. Yes. And then the third option in the range, which because you've got the M2 uh, Pro, then you've got the M2 Max. The M2 Max has got 12 core CPU, 30 core GPU. That's a big number. Wow. Um, 32 gig memory and one terabyte storage. You're getting that for $4,099. Again, the the thing for me with all of Mac's hardware now is the, the storage options. The storage options are so expensive. You know, if I was to select just that machine, so $4,099 Canadian dollars, and I was to max that out with the eight terabyte option, I'd have to pay an additional on top of that $4,099 $2,750. An absolute bargain, yes. <laughs> now, so to be fair, though, we're talking at 8 terabyte SSD. I mean, yeah. that is top of the line, right? So you're always paying a premium for that anyway. But even with that premium built in or considered, that is a lot of money. Apple. It is a lot of money. That, that it really is. And on the 16-inch front, because, of course, that's an option as well. I know a lot of people who are uh, low vision tend to kind of prefer this because of the size of the screen. And it is a gorgeous screen. If you're using Zoom or uh, magnifier or whatever, then you can you can really benefit from this. But that starts at 3199. And uh, similar specifications, 12-core CPU, so a bit, maybe a bit beefier. Um, I think that's a Pro, yeah, that starts with a Pro. So 12-core CPU, 19-core GPU for graphics, 16-gig RAM, 512-gig SSD, 3199. So, yeah, interesting. I mean, you're getting... Yeah, you're paying a lot of money, right? There's no way around it. You're going to spend a lot of cash if you're going down the MacBook Pro route. Again, my recommendation would be for most people, you don't need this. You really don't. No. Um, and I think that, you know, although that, that it all sounds very exciting, and it, it does, and I mean, you know, I want to play in a, a clip actually because from the event itself, they didn't have an event, but they had a kind of mini event, a mini video that they put up online. And... um I want to play this audio because this explains a little bit more about the M2 Max processor that's uh, inside this this new because this is actually a new processor they've just announced this processor it wasn't an I'm M2 a Max confused. before confused wasn't there an ultra version at some point that was M2 M1 one? I think it, it does M1 it's ultra. getting a bit wild at the minute because there's so many different elements flying around and obviously yeah. the, the, this Apple is in this transition at the moment where still moving away from Intel, moving towards these new processors, starting with the base level M1, moving up. And of course, they've added different uh, versions of these processors with more and more capability. So let's hear a little bit more about the new M2 Max option that's been announced in the new MacBook Pros announced today. Today, we're adding a third chip to the M2 family. Introducing M2 Max. M2 Max combines the incredible CPU performance of M2 Pro with an even more powerful GPU. And with the amazing power efficiency of Apple Silicon, it brings unbelievable performance and extraordinary battery life to our Pro systems. M2 Max has 67 billion transistors. That's 10 billion more transistors than M1 Max, and over three times the transistors in M2. M2 Max starts with a high-performance on-chip fabric with twice the memory interface of M2 Pro. This gives M2 Max 400 gigabytes per second of unified memory bandwidth. And its custom package now supports up to 96 gigabytes of capacity, 50% more than M1 Max. Just like M2 Pro, M2 Max has a next-generation 12-core CPU, which delivers up to 20% greater performance over M1 Max. And M2 Max has a much larger GPU, with up to 38 cores. Combined with a larger cache, it delivers up to 30% greater performance. It also has our latest neural engine. So, I mean, there you go. I mean, obviously, a lot of that is going to go over most people's heads, including mine, to be perfectly honest. But, you know, it it does kind of give... I I like to hear in the percentage terms what they're talking about, and I I kind of like when they talk about, you know, it's 30% faster or whatever. It does seem that even from the previous generation... Uh, of its own chip, 
you know, at that level, it is still, you know, blazingly fast and it is going to do incredible job. It is. Um, it, it's it's help, amazing. Can't help but think the naming is is a mistake. M2 Max just makes me think of M-A-C-S. M2 <laughs> yes. Max. Uh, uh, yeah, anyway. I know. It's, yeah, it's a it bit, sounds amazing, um, right? It does. And, and, you know, okay, so let's move on because I want to focus on the other announcement, uh, which is the Mac Mini. And to be honest, I think this, although everyone's going to talk about the MacBook Pros, for me, and I think for a lot of blind people out there, the Mac Mini is truly the best little computer you can get because it's headless. You don't even need to have a monitor with it if you don't want one. Um, you could just get one of those little dummy HDMIs, stick it in the back, and there yep. you go. Uh, or you can hook it up to a cheap monitor. You've got you know a keyboard and mouse lying around. You can hook it up. And, of course, you save a lot of money with all of that because you're not paying for the screen and all the, the gubbins that comes with it. Um, let's hear a little bit about the introduction uh, to the Mac Mini as presented on Apple's website. Mac Mini is the most affordable way to experience the Mac. And with M1, our users have been blown away by the astonishing performance it delivers in such a compact design. Paired with the studio display and magic accessories, the Mini becomes a mighty Mac desktop setup. And they also love its versatility. With its compact design and phenomenal capabilities, it's used in so many places, in so many different ways, from the home office to the studio, to build farms and data centers. In fact, Mac Mini has never been more popular. Today, we're taking the amazing Mini experience even further with M2. M2 features a faster next-generation CPU and GPU, much higher memory bandwidth, and a more powerful media engine for blazing performance. So you'll fly through everyday tasks between your favorite apps and be super productive. And Mac Mini with M2 powers through even more demanding workflows. Workflows like image editing and Photoshop are up to 50% faster than M1. With ProRes acceleration coming to the Mini, video editing in Final Cut Pro is over twice as fast. And the new Mac Mini is also great for gaming, running demanding titles like No Man's Sky at even faster frame rates. With this supercharged performance, the new Mini with M2 runs laps around the competition. In fact, it's up to five times faster than the best-selling Windows desktop. With all this performance, there's no better value than Mac Mini. I'd like to know what that desktop is they're comparing to. Yeah, you got to take all of that with a pinch of salt. Yeah. Ta- in what? In what task? Um, uh-huh. Yeah, but I mean, other than that, absolutely right. The Mac Mini is an amazing uh, computer. I mean, it's the cheapest way in, absolutely right. And uh, I love the form factor of the Mac Mini. I think it's one of the best-looking computers out there. And the price does get a little bit scary the higher up the spec you go. But, I mean, you know, base level, and I think, again, for most people, this would be enough. Um, you know, base level 8-core CPU, 10-core GPU, and, again, it's the M2. So you're kind of looking at this a little bit like a, a MacBook Air, I guess, in Mac Mini form, um, if, if you're thinking about the kind of tasks it's capable of doing. Although, in fairness, it can do pretty much anything. Uh, your starting price is $800. See, now, how much is the M1 Mac Mini at this point? I mean, are they going to discontinue it? Are they still going? A couple of hundred dollars difference in price, I'm thinking? Um, Not a huge amount, no. I don't think that's a huge difference in price. I'm just seeing if they still actually have the original M1 on there. Almost cannibalising themselves. if, if that Because I thought it would be, you know, something like 1099, 1199. Rather than $800, that's, that's not bad. Well, interestingly, on the website, they don't have the new M1. Oh, sorry, the old M1. They don't have that ah. at all, so that's, that's gone. Uh, I mean, of course, if you were to go to a, a Best Buy or something, I'm sure you could pick one up if you wanted to. Yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it. I, I don't think the price is... The, if you think that's too expensive, then I think you probably don't want a Mac. Um, I think $800 for, for, as you see, the entry point. And again, considering the capability of this, I still go back to the point of that M1 I bought, the very first one I bought, the Mac Mini with the M1 back in 2020, it blew me away. And that was the base level Mac Mini. And I worked on that for two years straight and it was a brilliant machine. Yeah. Incredible. It was so good. I think you bought it twice. 
I did. Well, I had different tasks I needed for them. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I got a second one. Um, a brilliant machine. Super. Absolutely super. If it could run Windows, I'd buy one too. Well, it can with Parallels. Mm, yeah. It can with VMware. Boot camp it and maybe I'll be interested. That's no, not going to happen. No, no, not with silicon. Boo. Not yet, anyway. Maybe one day, maybe one day, but certainly not at the moment. Uh, so, yeah, in terms of the specifications, yeah, you can get that. I mean, obviously, you could ramp it up. I mean, if you, it's strange, though, right? So, that 8 core with the 10 core, remember that. Uh, if you move from, say, that to the M2 uh, Pro chip, which is 10 core CPU, 16 core GPU, 16 gig of unified memory, and then 512 gig SSD, 699. So, the price does jump. Wow. Quite a bit. It doubles. It does, yeah, it doubles. In fact, over, is that more than double? Um, so, you know, that's a lot more. And again, I don't know, it depends what you're doing with it, I suppose. But again, I go back to my point. If you are just dabbling in the world of, you know, getting interested in this kind of stuff, maybe, you know, dabbling in it, then fine. Um, but I think for most people that the $100 one would be more than enough. And again, if you want to get yeah. into Mac, I mean, you know, okay, so here's the question I'll also get a lot. People ask me, what about voiceover? How does it perform? Honestly, you are going to have no problems with this machine. <laughs> no problems at all. I don't think there would be a huge difference between an M1 and an M2, no matter what, when it comes to voiceover performance itself. Exactly. Because, you know, the overhead, the system hit for using voiceover, or any screen reader for that matter, um, is, is you know, at this power of, of chip, even at the M1. I don't think you'd notice a difference. So that's the, uh, that's the announcements. So basically, we have these new Mac Minis, uh, which are out. I am most excited by the Mini, I think. I mean, the MacBook Pro doesn't really appeal to me as much these days. I've got an M2 MacBook Air. That will do me till the day I die, I'd imagine, because it's incredibly powerful as it is. Um, but is it? My- how, how are you? Sorry to butt in there. How are you finding? Because you haven't really talked about the M2 MacBook Air. Well, do you know the problem? I think that these things get so powerful. And, you know, M-series Macs have become so powerful that they don't even feel that different between them. Like the base level. If I got an M1 MacBook Air today and just used that, I'd probably say to you, this would do me till the day I die. Yeah. Realistically, these are not, these have got great shelf life on them. Actually, the the funny thing about Apple is that unlike PC, because PC is the opposite, right? PC, the hardware can live forever or or, or maybe, maybe not live forever, but it can live for a while. And then the software can live forever. That's the key. So you could, you know, on a really old Dell desktop, you could still install Windows 11, right? But it'd be quite old hardware. Um, well, as long as it met the security, the new security, that was the yeah, big okay. debate about Windows 11, right? But yeah. But on a Mac, the, the actual technology itself, the hardware could last a long, long time. But what happens is the software drives really when it's time to buy a new Mac. Yeah, you hit that ceiling. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. At some point, they go, enough's enough. You really should be. And in fairness, we're talking five, six years, maybe seven oh, yeah. years. It's, it's not, quite reasonable. It's not like a year. No. But, you know, you do sometimes think, how powerful, with these machines, how powerful they are, you're telling me this wouldn't be able to last 10, 15 years re- realistically? But, of course, Apple's yeah. all about making money. All these companies are about making money. Are they? They are. The it's a shock, news. isn't it? Hang on. <laughs> There we go. Breaking news. Breaking news. I'll give you that one. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so there you on. go. The question is, of course, have you already bought one? No, not yet. Although I am looking at it because I'm trading in. I'm going to trade in some of my stuff. And You're I'm not going trading to in your Mac Minis, surely. Well, yeah, because I wouldn't need your them. M1s. Trade in my M1s and trade up to an M2. No, no, because no, I no. want the M2 Pro. No. Um, I find that the, the the biggest issue I have is with Final Cut, and when I'm rendering stuff out. It is taken quite a while on the M1, whereas the MacBook Pro I've got, which again, that's going to go because that's just an M1. <laughs> um, <laughs> yesterday's news. Blimey. Get rid of that. And uh, yeah, I mean, okay, powered. It, it is faster on the M1 MacBook Pro, of course, but, you know, this is obviously going to be newer. It's going to be faster. So, well, no, you know, no, you I can't trade just it in then. Trade in no, for no, the old one. You can't trade it in. You need to keep the M1 Mac Mini and get the new M2 Pro Mac Mini and do a render out timing. And compare the two. I was actually going to keep one of the Mac uh, Minis, the M1s, and give it to you. 
Oh, that's a beautiful idea. Yeah, I, I would go with that. Well done, you. Uh, excellent. Hooray. Is that the show over? Get it posted. <laughs> um, so, yeah, all the details, of course, uh, on these, uh, you can find at apple.com, as you would imagine. But, um, yeah, that's the updates. So there we go. Anyway, that's our updates. We've got feedback from you. We're going to get to that in just a moment. This is Double Tap. Follow Double Tap on social media at Double Tap On Air and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts and email us feedback at doubletaponair.com. We'll be right back. This is Double Tap. Now, back to the show. Even in the break, I didn't go and buy anything. I promise you I did not buy anything. Don't believe you. Oh, no, wait, you're sending me a Mac. I, I love you, Stephen Scott. Have you lost weight? You're looking great. Yeah. You're so full of it, aren't you? <laughs> that threw you. I did a bit, actually, yeah. I have been trying. Not, not very well, I will admit. I think I'll start Monday. I think that's the yeah, thing. Absolutely. I think I'll probably start it's, There's no point starting in the middle of a week. Midweek, that'd be crazy. Always start on a Monday. And then, you know, what would I do with all that chocolate I've just bought? Yeah, exactly. Wait until you've eaten everything. <laughs> that's the thing. It's like if you buy one bad thing in a week, that's, yes. that seems to, it, it just throws you completely. And you think, oh, well, there's no point. There's no point. Yeah, giving, I've ruined you know, myself. I might as well continue. Yes, exactly. absolutely. Uh, listen, we get lots of emails in, and especially following our show with Don Pickering at the weekend on Saturday, we talked to Don about her experience of uh, bringing up a son who is blind uh, and it kind of stemmed from a conversation I started on Twitter around guide dogs and canes. Could the could we stop talking down the white cane? Was really my thing. And uh, lots of you got in touch. Lots of you found the conversation very interesting. Uh, we've got an email here from BJ Edwards, uh, read by Laura. Hi, just wanted to jump on to the chat about guide dogs. I'll try to make this brief, but it's an emotive topic. Firstly, there are pros and cons to both dog ownership and long cane use. My personal view is that the public seems to think that unless you have a dog, you're somehow not a complete person. This is largely due to advertising campaigns and publicity that makes us seem like victims. It's also important to point out that a lot of guide dog owners have eyesight, either a lot or a little, so this muddies the waters. I'd just like to illustrate how different it is in other countries. My wife is Slovenian. There, people tend to have guide dogs if they are totally blind, and the majority use canes. In eight years of guide dog ownership in Slovenia, my wife has had only one taxi refusal. Here in the UK, she's had many. Attitudes towards dogs are very different here. On one hand, people feel they can stroke or fuss your dog. On the other hand, they'll refuse entry to a restaurant or taxi. Another point of difference is that in Slovenia, people use canes and dogs together. The best of both worlds, perhaps. I think the issue is with the word blind. So many people use that word when they have a good deal of sight and are partials. This use of language is ambiguous and confuses the public. I could go on, but I won't. Cheers, BJ Edwards, sent on Granny Smith's Cosmic Typewriter. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I don't know what that is, but I like it. Yeah, I want one of them. That sounds quite cool. I'll swap it for a Mac Mini. I'm, I'm giving them away now. I've got <laughs> M1 Mac Minis all the place. Um, yeah, there's what a lot do you in think? there. I've got to say, though, I, I do... There's something about this blind versus partial thing that, that that kind of I don't know I hear it a lot and there does almost seem to be some almost animosity between on, on both sides you know I, I I don't know I know of course there's a difference of course there is but it does seem to be a bit of I don't know almost a little bit of friction between mm. us in the community about that I don't know as we both know it's really difficult to say even if you've got some site you know how much that affects your mobility and in what situation so i uh, i'm not sure guide dogs if you've got no vision only i don't know yeah that's a difficult one i mean you, you know i can kind of see the point on this oh can I, you partial well hey yeah um sorry <laughs> thank, thank you, you. Uh, <laughs> I, I i get the point i do get the point i don't know if i agree with it though i think the the problem is that there's an internal conversation going on and an external conversation going on in all of our heads with this. So internally, among blind people, among low vision people, you will hear, uh, you know, a conversation where it's like, well, how much vision do you have? Well, you've got more vision than me, and I've got no vision. I've got no eyes. I've got, you know, whatever it is. And you think, okay, fine. Yeah. Outside 
talking to the public who do not understand the nuances, just frankly don't get it. They don't understand the difference between something and nothing. Um, and, and that's a real problem because I've had it all my life. People who, if I tell them I'm visually impaired, they say, oh, you can see something. Oh, well, that's fine. You're okay then. You yeah, tell them oh, you're blind. Just need a pair of glasses. Yeah. yeah. You, you're, you're blind. Okay, you can see nothing. And to get assistance sometimes it is easier to just say you're blind because then you don't have to have the challenge. Because, you know, the problem I think for a lot of blind people, totally blind people, especially those who are born with no vision at all, is that they don't, they can't comprehend either. They, they are kind of in a similar position to sighted people. They can't comprehend the balancing act of having a little bit of vision that is kind of on that useful versus useless scale. And because they can't comprehend mm -hmm. it, they also think, well, if you can see something, you can see more than me, which is nothing. And I think that's the problem that, you know, in our own community, we don't fully get it. And I think that should tell us a lot about how we think about this. Because if yeah. we can't understand it, how can we hope anyone else can understand well, I'm not it? Saying, you know, it's, it's definitely not a, an easy um, I don't know, argument either side. I, 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 I'm... <sighs> Yeah, honestly, I don't know. I feel like I've taken us off on a tangent there, but I, it's just something I do hear quite a lot, and it, it, it's something that always—it's always a sort of tone. Maybe I'm putting that tone into it, you know. Oh, you know, low vision versus blind. Yeah, I don't know. Well, th th that's a big part of it in our community. I've, look, you and I have had it a lot. I, I get a little bit irritated by it, if I'm honest, because I often think, well, to say that to me it diminishes what I do have. And what I don't have, the idea of having some vision is not is not always better than having no vision. I I, I strongly believe that. I mean, that's my life. I don't feel like me having a bit of vision, which I struggle with, which affects me. I was thinking about the other day, going to the mall, and you go into a shopping mall, and you've got all these lights, you've got all these people going around you, you've got all this constant movement of traffic mm -hmm. of people. Yeah. You're trying to understand where everything is, as well as perhaps, in my case, I get these little black spots in my, my vision as well. So therefore, I, I'm trying to work out, is that a human or is that a thing? Is that a blot? What is that? What is that? And mm -hmm. all that's going, all that visual processing is happening. Now, yes, I can see something, but what I'm seeing is nothing that I can really make sense of. So therefore, it's a distraction. That's my point about the whole kind of thing that people don't, I don't think, fully understand. The, the vision, yes, there's vision, but that doesn't mean that I'm able to see things clearly enough to make sense of them. Actually, what happens is the opposite. I end up being distracted by it, and it tires me out. It makes me exhausted going out. Yeah, and, but... See, you can't turn same... that off. There's no switch. No, no, absolutely. I remember just, you know, as my vision was getting worse and worse, it's just I'm looking at people's feet and it's just it, mobility is just a nightmare. And But at the same time, saying that to someone, you know, who's got no vision, um, you still have that luxury at times. You know, there, there was times where I was able to zoom in a thousand times to get around an accessibility problem on a website or something like that. And that is still a luxury, I feel. You know what I mean? But yeah. as I've lost a lot of sight over the last year, um, I feel so... It is almost freeing. I, I don't have to... I used to wait until it got light before I used to go out. But now, like, you know, this morning, I went out at six o'clock or half past five to take the dog out because it doesn't make any difference. And there is something actually quite... Uh, you know what? I'm quite relaxed with this. I quite like... It. So, yeah. Anyway, this is... Uh, I think this is a discussion for another episode, actually. I think it is interesting. I think it is interesting. I know a lot of people, uh, they, they enjoy when we talk about this because I think we're very honest about it from our own point of view. I think that's it's challenging because a lot of people can't articulate this because they're living through the pain of it. Let's be honest. I mean, I, yeah. know, I know people I hate the words. I don't think I'm articulating it very well no, I myself. think you are. I mean, but I know, I know people hate the word suffering because I hate that. And people say, oh, he suffers from glaucoma. No, you don't suffer from glaucoma. But there is a pain associated with vision loss, um, whether that's emotional, whether that is in the, even in the physical sense of having headaches on a regular basis. And, you know, I, I'm kind of, I think the worse your vision gets, you start to kind of really understand the, the, the challenges. And I have met so many people over the years who've said to me, just what you've said, I lost all my vision. 
and it actually, I felt better about myself. I felt better about life because I didn't have that stress anymore. Mm. And this is, why, this is why I don't like the kind of pitching against thing, you know? It's a, and this is kind of goes right back to my point about Guy Dawes and Keynes. It kind of brings up that subject, doesn't it? And it, it just did. You know, it brings yeah. up that subject of, well, um, you know, a guide dog equals blindness. And, you know, a cane is just, you know, for the partials. Even that yeah. word, I, I really, that yeah, word irritates like it. me. You know, I'm, yeah. oh, you're a partial. Partial what? You know, partial person? Not very yeah. nice, is it? Uh, anyway, okay, let's get some other voicemails on this topic <laughs> and other emails on this because uh, Eleanor's been in touch with a comment. Hi, guys, it's Eleanor. I'm calling about your fascinating weekend edition about the guide dog and the cane. Dawn was so inspiring. Not many parents would approach the situation they found themselves in with such positivity. The guide dog and the cane shouldn't be set against each other. What matters is whichever method gives each individual their independence. I never learned to use the long cane. It wasn't even invented when I got my first guide dog. And now I wouldn't be able to use it as I had a fall two years ago and broke my ankle in three places. Oh, dear. And subsequently discovered that I have osteoporosis everywhere. The ankle is as good as it's likely to get, and I can get out and about. But I have to use a walking stick whenever I leave the house. Norris has adapted brilliantly to the stick and stands rock solid as I negotiate curves and steps, which can be quite challenging. The stick I use is a sturdy wooden one with a carved handle that my mum bought thinking it might be useful. <laughs> Over 50 years later, it has come into its own. <laughs> wow. The moral is, Never throw anything out. You never know when it might come in handy. <laughs> the Sean of the Shed episode on smart speakers was brilliant. Nice hey. one, Sean. Thank you. Keep up the good work, guys. Bye. Oh, thanks, Eleanor. Um, sorry to hear about your ankle. Jeez, that sounds sore. It's a good point, though. I mean, you've only got so many hands, right? Well, yeah. It's funny, actually. I've often thought that. What happens when your mobility goes? Mm-hmm. As well as you know, and you've got vision as well. So you, you vision loss problems or blindness, or whatever it might be, and then suddenly you you have to kind of walk with a, a stick and a cane or a dog. Yeah, How does that work? Well, there you go. Thank you for answering that question. I did not pose, but I was wondering, <laughs> Eleanor. You're reading my mind. Um, yeah, I think this is the thing about this. It, it kind of brings up a lot of emotion for people, and it brings up a lot of this, the story of of our own journeys, if you want to use that word. Um, no. <laughs> I know, I, I, I'm I joking, said, I'm gets joking, a little bit of inspiration, doesn't it? Yeah. I was like, but, you know, I, I get it. I, I just It's really, it's an interesting topic. And I'm glad we brought it up. And I'm really glad Dawn came on and was yeah. uh, talking about it. Because she's really kind of brought, I think, a lot out in this conversation. It was kind of different, wasn't it? It was, it was a different episode to what we usually do. And, um, yeah, I... I I was I was a little unsure because we barely said two words during it, but I mean, what Dawn I was loved, saying. I loved being at Dawn's TED Talk. It was brilliant. It, that's exactly what it was like. But you know, she brought up so many good points, and it was just an interesting story. And uh, yeah, but Dawn was amazing. I think again, As it's about all. the not the them and us thing, right? It's not about them and us. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, this is often the, the challenge. We, I hear this, and again, identity politics brings this out in people. You know, it's, well, you know, suddenly we're talking about them over there as, as this group of people and us over here with this group. And you fail to recognise that we're all connected. We're all people. We're all the same. And if you start putting yourself in boxes, then it just makes it more challenging. And I, I'll tell you this, as a disabled community, as a blind community, you know, I, I talk, I hear about the blind community. And I'll, I'll be honest, even to this day, I'm not entirely convinced there is such a thing. Not really. Oh, really? No. I no, don't. I don't think. I think. I think there's there's p- pockets of people who are you know who work together to do things, and that's fine. But 
I tend to think this in fighting around, you know, well, he's a partial, he's not one of us. This is the very reason, if, I, if I'm honest, this is the very thing growing up is why I never talked about this. Before I got into the RNIB, before I started doing stuff here at AMI, I never talked at all about my vision because I just thought I'm not part of a blind community. I'm not seen as part of that. I'm not really part of the sighted community either. So I'm kind of stuck in the middle. Oh, yeah, the, the double agent feeling, yeah. yeah, or the imposter feeling. Yeah, you know? and so yeah, what happens is you never really feel comfortable with, with yourself and you have to learn to deal with that. And you end up in a situation where you, you just don't talk about it. You just ignore it. Uh, and unfortunately for me, and I think for you as well, there's a time where you just can't avoid it anymore. You know, there's no way around it. No. And in some ways, that's the freeing part, weirdly, is that you kind of realise that you can't really... It's such a, it's, it just brings up so much emotion <laughs> in me, it really I, does. I can vividly remember it happening over the course of 10 days, two weeks maybe, September. Was it 2020 or 2021? Um Every time I took the dog out, I could see less and less, more mm-hmm. glare, more glare, less contrast. And eventually it just went where everything just looked white. And I wasn't panicking throughout any of that. I just thought, oh, okay, I knew this would happen at some point, you know, retinitis pigmentosa. And, and this is it happening. But actually, there was an element that was quite, I'm all right with it. it, it it's strange. It's, it is really strange. Okay, let's move on. Um, Why, we'll we'll dug into this, I know. <laughs> 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 I just want to, I'm actually going to go and buy myself a Mac Mini just to cheer myself up. Um, oh, any excuse. Yeah, yeah. That's a, <laughs> well done. Too much for me. Uh, okay, let's get an email in. This is from a uh, long-time listener, Sharon. Dear Stephen and Sean, I hope you're both well. I was very interested in your show last week about the section to do with AI audiobooks. It was most interesting, especially when it comes down to choosing a book to listen to as it really comes down to how a person reads a book and the sound of the voice. Estee Lauder have now brought out an AI app, especially for visually impaired people. I was most interested to look at this. It takes you through applying your makeup. It will then look at this and tell you if it is fine or needs more touches done. I tried it out and so far was quite impressed. Wow. It did give feedback to state if a person's eyes are closed up. AI needs to be aware of this and take it into account whilst checking eye makeup. As it's new, it's great to give feedback as this is how Estee Lauder can improve it for clients. It's really positive if a lady has no eyesight. It can help check her makeup if no one else is around at the time. We know when apps first come out and AI, there will always be a need to improve them. But to include visually impaired women and men and help them feel good about themselves is so positive. I know we have Ira and Be My Eyes, but I hope other companies follow their lead in the beauty industry. I'll keep trying the app to see how it progresses. Kind regards, Sharon. I had no idea. That's amazing. Yeah, that was just, that was announced last week. I think it might have been at CES, actually, that came out. There was a lot of stories around makeup and and devices. There was one that made the headlines. It was like a robotic arm which could help people who couldn't physically manage to put on their own makeup. It would do it for you. Wow. Um, I mean, and of course, you know, this with the app, this particular app allows you uh, to get feedback, you know, through the app. That's really clever though, using AI and using all the fancy stuff to be able to identify you and your face and help you apply makeup. (laughs) I know. Amazing. I'm I'm kind of shocked and maybe I shouldn't be that it's from Estee Lauder. I'm I'm just thinking, what, they actually care? I, I, hey, that's that's, that's no, I get me, it. probably, but I I'm get thinking, that. wow, I get that is, yep. I'm sort of shocked and impressed. Fantastic. Thanks for that, Sharon. If you fancy uh, recording a little bit of audio of using that app, that would be amazing. It would be nice to hear how it works because I, I can't really, is it talking to you? Is it giving you, because I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I, I don't mind doing demos for the show, but putting makeup on ain't oh, going to be one of them. For it. If I can start wearing guy liner, I'm in. Didn't you once have a, an image of yourself online? Which was you dressed up like the Halloween mask? Was that makeup or was that Photoshop? No, that was one of those apps which put a filter on you. Yes, yes. As a clown, it was clown makeup, not the Halloween guy. Everyone seemed to freak out. I was a clown. It was fun. No, I wasn't a clown. It was absolutely terrifying, like Fair clowns. Enough. Yeah, that's um, true. <laughs> Laura reads the emails, and another one comes in to us from David. Hello, guys. I just wanted to weigh in on a subject that has been on my mind for a while. I don't understand any excitement or agreement with the EU telling private companies how they are to design their products. 
If this were about an aspect of a product that could harm someone, then I get that. But forcing Apple to change their charging cord and allow for other digital assistance makes zero sense to me. I own a cabinet company, and if a government entity decided all of our cabinets had to be a certain colour or have certain knobs on them, then I would question if I was living under a dictatorship or in a communist country. Who does the EU think they are to make these decisions? And again, why are so many voices thinking that this is not a big deal? I haven't heard anyone with my point of view speaking up in our blindness circles. You guys are great. Keep up the good work. David Life, Kentucky, USA. Wow. Uh, David Life, cabinet maker there. That's uh, really interesting. I, I, I got to disagree, though. Oh? Well, look, the, the thing is, the amount of e-waste is absolutely amazing. Doing away with the um, USB mains plug out of um, you know the iPhones and, and other brands as well. Android phones, Samsung, I think, took, took the same route. Absolutely a great idea. They're, they're just unneeded. And the amount of e-waste you see being dumped in countries like India and other places is absolutely, it's a disgrace. And to have a, a charging um, a proprietary charging cable, which Apple does with the Lightning, for absolutely no reason... I mean, there is no good reason for the lightning over a USB-C. Actually, I think it does make sense. Now, whether uh, the EU has a right to do that and and what they see, at what point do they have the right to say, well, you you should change this aspect is up for discussion. But when it comes to the actual cable, USB-C, Apple are just, you know, they're, they're, they're not right in just sticking with the lightning port. They just aren't because there's no advantages to it except for they can certify and charge people for licenses to make third-party lightning cables. It doesn't really surprise me that you feel that way, David, because I think um, you know, you're know you living in a country where you know it's a, it's a different way of dealing with things. And, and I, I would imagine that the EU does feel a little bit oppressive in, in the way it does things. Um, but I think if you live amongst it, you feel differently about it. I mean, I've seen huge reasons why the EU is a, a major benefit, which is why I was so against the whole Brexit thing, because I think Britain has lost so much as a result of coming out of Europe. And, and you know, things like workers' rights. I remember I used to be a freelance at a radio station, and I remember going to my local MP because I wasn't getting paid holidays, as you didn't with freelance. But the kind of freelance work I was doing meant that I wasn't really freelance, to be honest. I mean, I had to be in a certain location, i.e. a radio station, between the hours of X and X, and I had to be there. And if I wasn't there, then, you know, I have to find, I wouldn't have to find someone to replace me. They would do that for me. So it was more of like a job. That was the problem. They were treating it like a job, but they were doing it under the auspices of a freelance contract. And that meant that I didn't get paid holidays. And I remember my MP getting really upset about this. And uh, she went off and she looked into this and she said, well, under European law, you should be getting paid holidays. And we got them. And I don't think we'd have got that because that was not never going to be brought in by the British government. But it was brought in through European law. And of course, there's human rights laws and legislation that goes with it. And I know some people think with companies, it's overreach. And I have thought myself, you know, sometimes how can something like the EU, how a body like that can tell a company like Apple to do something and it does it. But then it's regulation. That's the bottom line. They have they've decided this is a regulation. They want to bring this in so they can lower, as you say, the package waste and everything else. And, you know, equally with USB-C, which is the next big thing, of course, iPhone 15 is likely to have USB-C because it's uh, EU has directed really that traffic there. I think that's, in a way, again, it reduces in the amount of waste. I mean, how much waste do we really have? I know I don't talk about this subject very often. And, and most people, I don't think, really give a huge amount of thought in their day-to-day. They're just trying to get through their lives. But truthfully, when you really stop and think about it, we do have a lot of waste for no real reason. And Apple and cables, I mean, dongles and cables and things that mismatch. I get a USB-C to a USB... No, a USB-C to a lightning port cable, like you say, in the packaging. And I don't really have any means to actually plug in a USB-C without buying another plug. Yeah. And this is the problem. So, you know, they'd actually be better off giving me a USB-A to Lightning port because at least I've got loads of USB-A chargers lying around. I could use that. But I never use these things. So, again, it's a complete waste, and it's not necessary, especially with MagSafe built in, wireless charging. You don't need it. So, yeah, they're recognizing that, and, and sometimes you've got to nudge these companies. You really do. 
Yeah. It is a tricky one, though, because you've always got that, 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 that argument of, well, you know, this is freedom. This is capitalism. This is freedom of choice. Well, don't um, buy it then. Who, who are they? Yeah, but in this That's case, the freedom. The freedom is the, the freedom of choice is, is to buy this product or buy that product. Yeah, but if the EU, you know, declared something else that maybe I didn't disagree with, then I would have exactly the same point of view as, um, uh, sorry, I've forgotten his name already. It was Mr. David. Life. <laughs> Mr. Life. <laughs> I would have the same point of view. It just happens that this coincides with, I actually, I think this is a great idea. Well, there we go. On that bombshell. I, I'm, I'm sure we'll get plenty of emails on that subject. Um, but yeah. And also keep your comments coming in on the subject of Braille. Because this is something I want to revisit down the line. Where did that line. come from? Uh, okay. This was one of our emails we got last week. And it was about the subject of Braille. And, you know, the, the question oh, ultimately yes, is, yes. how sustainable is Braille in the long term? And it's a really interesting conversation. And I, I want to bring this up. We're, we're going to be having a, a chat with um, lots of people around the subject of Braille in the coming weeks. And I'm keen to put this question to especially those people who advocate like I do for braille for say labeling and things like that around the home you know not necessarily for reading or for education or for workplace all that is essential but how is it sustainable is the answer education maybe that's it maybe the answer is that if more kids learn braille yeah. then it'll have more of a chance of succeeding but I, I i do think if i'm honest that if kids don't learn it it will die because it's not, how can it continue? Oh, I, I think it's doing children a disservice. Yeah, you know, I agree. Partial or blind. <clears throat> oh, don't get into that again. <laughs> it gives them a disservice <laughs> if they don't learn Braille. Absolutely. I wish I was taught it. Listen, we're back tomorrow. Lots more conversation then. Thank you for listening. Keep your emails coming. Feedback at doubletaponair.com. one eight seven seven eight zero three four five six seven. That's our listener line number for Double Tap. Get in touch with us. Of course, you can follow us at uh, Double Tap on Air at AMI Audio as well. You can follow the channel. That is it for us. Thank you so much for being with us. And uh, Sean, we'll uh, catch you tomorrow with my shiny new Mac Mini. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Bye-bye. And maybe yours. Love Double Tap. (laughs) Did you know we're on the TV too? Check out brand new episodes of Double Tap TV on AMI-tv every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern. Or binge on all episodes online at ami.ca forward slash Double Tap. We're also on YouTube. Search for Double Tap to catch our episodes there too. Hi, I'm Red Sale, inviting you to download the latest episode of My Life in Books where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives, their work, and three books that have resonated with them. That's My Life in Books, available wherever you get your AMI podcasts.